Good morning. Oh, let's do it again. Good morning. There you go. Good. We got to get some lights. There you go. I knew there was a crowd over there. I saw you and you disappeared. Yeah, good looking group. How many love all the Easter colors? Man, I love the season. Yeah. Man, this is the greatest event in humanity, in human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're glad that you came to celebrate with us this morning, faith family and friends and family and people that you were able to drag in here, maybe promise them lunch or something. I don't know. I love to read the gospel. I was reading one of the gospel accounts or several gospel accounts on Good Friday. And I was just being enamored, moved by the story of Jesus and his price, his crucifixion. Once again, God had been wowing the people, astounding them, if you will. He'd infiltrated the world with his love through his son, Jesus. And then the sacrificial price, the love, that Christ would just give it all up, lay it down. Knowing that he had all the power and the authority to call on the legions of angels to come get him, but we were on his mind. And I'm so glad that he made that perfect sacrifice. One of the scriptures says that he made a sacrifice once and for all, that we never have to make sacrifice again. Never again. Um, I've got a question. How has the life of Jesus Christ affected you in 2013? As a pastor, I see a lot of people. I talk to a lot of folks without hope. I talk to people with hope. People have grown disappointed. They've got addictions they're facing. There's trials. There's struggles. It's just, there's anger. There's gossip. There's sin. Whatever it is, man, just struggle, struggle, struggle. And some are finding and experiencing the power of the resurrection. And just a couple weeks ago, one of our good friends, a 29-year-old here in our congregation, school teacher was teaching class, caught her husband, says, I have a severe headache. Little did she know she had a tumor. That tumor would be removed. And already she's gotten out of the hospital. She did the Easter bags for outreach yesterday. And she's in worship today with brain surgery less than a couple of weeks ago. Give glory to God, church. That's huge. And then just a moment ago, I had somebody walk up to me. His wife suffers some, some Crohn's and internal things. And she just had surgery this week. She was in Birmingham. She's come home and she wasn't going to miss no Easter service. She's here today. Give praise for Lindsay. Isn't that great, church? I love that. Then I turn over here, and I see my sister in Christ, and God healed her dad. He fights cancer no more. You know, Ashley, have you thought today that your dad sees Easter from a whole new perspective? He is with the resurrection. I'm going to say this several times a day. The resurrection is a person. It's Jesus. Do you know the resurrection? I don't say, do you know the story? Do you know the resurrection? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Wow, that'll make a preacher want to preach. You're like, well, that's what you're supposed to do. So you, you better start preaching to us. So let's move on with this here. As I just look at this incredible story of Christ and what he's doing for us. This morning, I think about what have we believed and what can we do? And I cannot believe what just happened Jeremy, come quickly, my son. Uh, my uh, iPad just jammed, and uh, it, it's, it's amazing. Your, your pastor has loved the, I mean, brother, nothing like calling you out on the Easter service, but I got to tell you, I've spent hours preparing, and I have this great message, and I don't know what it's done, but it just, it just froze, and it gave me point one and two, and some of you said, glory to God, I'm going home early. Thank you for whatever you did. 
Okay, well, all I know is it, it uh, whoa, I got to tell you guys, I just said give glory to God for the woman with the praying tumor and the woman with Crohn's, and your pastor almost died in church. That would have been quite a story. We went to church, and our pastor died right in front of us, but he had just said Jesus is the resurrection, and he knows him. I'm trying to take advantage of the moment. I was dying right here in front of your eye. I looked down and I kept moving and it wasn't moving. I went, Jesus, help the boy. Have I told you the story? I'll get back on text here in a minute. I was doing my son there and my daughter, he's my son-in-law, okay? <laughs> I love him, but I call him my son. He calls me dad. And when they got married, I walked her down the aisle of First Methodist Church, a beautiful edifice, cathedral, and we were walking down the aisle, and I walked down the aisle to run around because I was in touch with my daughter in hand, and I ran around to get, my, uh, to get my robed up. And the boy got in there, and the place is filled with people, and I'm putting the robe on. If you don't know about robes, praise God, I don't wear a robe anymore, but I just wear my weddings, and, and I'm trying to zip it up, and it won't go, and I just mutter out, help him, Jesus. And I walked into the, the sanctuary, and everybody was dying laughing. I thought, what was so funny? Everybody heard him help him, Jesus. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> I have learned to cover up mistakes. You know what I'm saying? Let's go. Hey, let's look at some Easter quotes. If these don't come up, we're going home early and eat the gospel bird. There he goes. Peter Marshall, great writer, says, The stone was rolled away from the door not to permit Christ to come out, but to enable the disciples to go in. Isn't that a great statement of Easter? Look at the next one there with me. What is it there? We live and we die. Christ died. And he lived because he set aside his lordship. And then John Stott here, or the next one here, our Lord has written the promise of the resurrection, but not in books alone, but in every leaf in springtime. And I believe there's one more that's going to come up. Our old history ends with the cross, and our new history begins with the resurrection. I'm glad there's a cross, but I'm much happier that there's a resurrection that goes forward for us. So... This morning, I've been contemplating and chewing. I want you to open your Bible to the 11th chapter of John. And it's a long passage, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to read a lot of it to you because of the technical difficulty your pastor was having a minute ago. But I want you to look at verse 4, and I'll just read a few verses to get us into the, to the text, 11, 4. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death, Know it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. And finally he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Well, let's jump over to verse 14. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will see him really believe. Come, let's go see him. And then you move down to verse 25, and this is a passage you always read, and you, you hear it at funerals because, man, it's a great text because it's truth. Jesus told her, I'm the resurrection and the life, and anyone who believes in me will leave even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? And she thought he was giving her a Sunday school lesson. He thought she was giving him a, a message from a sermon or, or a theological text or something, but it was something much greater there. But then you move on down into the text in verse 40 jesus responded didn't i tell you that you would see god's glory if you believe the whole key there is believe so they rolled the stone aside then jesus looked up to heaven and said father thank you for hearing me you always hear me but i said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so they will believe that you have sent me and then jesus shouted lazarus come out 
And the dead man came out, and his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him. Let him go. Unbind him. Set him free. This morning, the story takes place there in Bethany. Did you know that the word Bethany, it means the house of song, the house of affliction? I love all the meanings behind words, names, and places. Bethlehem, the house of bread. We could go through all these biblical names, and they would name people names, and the names meant something. And this one meant a house of song, but a, a house of affliction. And, and Job knew what it was to be in despair in a tough situation, and he would, he would cry out to God, just as that child cries out now. I love it. And everywhere you turn in this life, there's sickness, there's pain, there's death, there's tough times. I mean, just sometimes it's just hard. It's discouraging. There's just trouble. Has anybody had any trouble lately? Just raise your hand. Well, you know your pastor did. He died right here in front of you. What a great illustration. I'm going to milk it for all it's worth. <laughs> you be a communicator. Get up and see if you ain't got your script. Can you imagine the politicians coming on, the teleprompter goes out? This will be the shortest message brought to you by your president today. Good evening, folks. Okay, all right, here we go. But let's look at the first point. We identify with Lazarus because of his humanity. Right in there, humanity. He was a human. He, he, he was just like us. He had life, and he, he, he was strengthened, and he had challenges, and, and the man dies. I mean, he's a, he's a friend of Jesus. He's got these amazing sisters, Mary and Martha, and they're doing life, and and yet, he finds himself sick. He finds himself dying. He finds himself dead. I mean, there's no hope in the story of this guy. I thought about it. We all have our Bethany's, don't we? We all have our place of affliction. Some of us have physical affliction. Some of us have emotional, spiritual, financial, relational. Does it, do I have a witness in the house? Are there any Bethany's in the house today? We have afflictions. I just found out this morning about a good friend very good friend. His wife's got cancer. They just found out this week. I hear that a lot, but I got to tell you, there's somebody that conquered cancer and he conquered death. He's the resurrection. Let's keep moving. I'm, I'm glad for that hope. So Lazarus, fill it in right across the top. I skipped over it. Lazarus means the assistance of God. Fill it in. Just the assistance. I, I love that. I, I didn't know it. I, I've talked. I've preached on Lazarus, but as I, I just went back and started digging and digging and digging, reading everything I could. And I went, the assistance of God. Do y'all think Lazarus was a candidate for assistance? Did he need resuscitation? Now, I don't know. Wait a minute now. It's pretty good to be on the other side. I'm, I'm thinking Lazarus going, I don't really want to leave glory. I don't really want to go back. But for the sake of the miracle, for the sake of the power, for the sake of the name, for the sake of the glory of God, for the sake of Mary and Martha... Jesus does this incredible miracle, and we'll, we'll see it as we see here in Scripture. His power transcends trouble, just as he is able. In verse 3, if you just look up here with me quickly, it says, So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. You know what I'd write? We need to plead for other people. All the time people ask me, would you plead for me? Would you pray for me? Would you intercede for me? And I go, absolutely. What an honor. And the body of Christ prays with power. And the church said, we have authority. Our prayers don't go up to some God that's not able. He's the God that heals. He's the God that restores. He's the God that liberates. He is our mighty God. But Lazarus was long past having hope. And, and then verse 6, I want you to look there at the text. It just says, Jesus, he stayed there 
where he was for the next two days. His, Jesus' clock was running a little slow, it seemed like, to Mary and Martha. I mean, he was, he was hanging around. He, did, he, did, he didn't come when they wanted to. Say, Our brother's sick. And Jesus just stayed where he was because Jesus had an eternal, he had a greater perspective. Now, I want to just ask any of you, do any of you deal with delays? Do any of you deal with delays? Does God seem to not do stuff on your timing? We're starting a support group here Tuesday afternoon at 4.30. Show up. I mean, man, it never happens. I mean, I want it. I want it now. It's like that painting that Candler was doing. I was watching it. But, but, you know, it was unfolding before our eyes. Oh, it was glorious. Wasn't it? It was just fun to watch that. and Just, you know, kind of delay. But it was a good delay. We had to wait. And that song kept building. It kept going. And in my mind, I knew you were a pro. I was looking. I thought, I wonder if she's going to make it. And she was doing this, and she'd do that, you know. Matter of fact, I thought about it. Your painting's out in the hall. I want you to sign it with those finger paints. Okay, let's, let's move on. Delays here. So what happens here? Jesus delays his coming sometimes. But I want you to write down this point. Jesus delays his coming, but you can always count on his dependability. You can always depend on Jesus. If you're sick, if you're diseased, if you're broken, if you're hurt, if you're addicted, if you're sad, if you're lonely, if you're in despair, Jesus just comes over. So there's this incredible goodness to the Lord. In verse 21, I'm moving all through this text, but I want you to see verse 21. The word says, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. For even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. You know, these two sisters, Mary and Martha, an earlier account in the gospel, Mary is at the feet of Jesus. She's worshiping the king. And Martha's in a muddle in the kitchen doing all the work for hospitality because Jesus is coming to the house. And she says, Jesus, Jesus, could you tell the woman to get out here and help the other woman? He says, no. Mary's chosen that which is best. We pick up this account in chapter 11. Where's Mary? Mary's in there worshiping. Martha's all distracted and muddled and bummed out, and she goes out to meet Jesus to tell him, hey, if you'd have been here. You know, there's one thing about it. You know, you know who Martha is? She's the Martha Stewart of 2013. She's in charge. She got down. She got a plan. She got everything going on. You know what I'm saying? I just, I just thought I thought that. I thought it was kind of cute, but if you don't, you know, just keep going. Okay. So Jesus, you know, helped the woman, but Martha's bold enough to go. And in verse 22, Martha believes. She does believe, but you know what? She's disappointed. And can I just say this today? Some of us get disappointed with the Father sometimes, but He's loving and He's merciful and He's kind and He's good and He's perfect and He's just. And sometimes our disappointments tend to paralyze us and grip us, but they need not hold us back. We just need to hold on to the goodness of God. We can look at His past, we can look at His present, and we always look to the future. And He's got an incredible history but he's got a greater future for us so faith has to wait for his timing for his will for his way faith always has to wait for his will for his timing for his way faith is the evidence of things unseen when i say i have faith in christ yet i have never seen him but i've experienced him have you experienced the resurrection he's so real and he's so powerful and he's so here today and I think he's inviting us to come and fill our words. And then when you look down at verse 25, and I read it, 
And I just want to read it again. I am the resurrection and the life. And anyone who believes in me, even though he dies, he should live. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. And y'all, this is a great passage for a funeral. I call them celebrations, resurrection services when you're in Christ. But it's a great passage for today. You know what? I've been chewing on this and reflecting on this and meditating on this and praying through this scripture over and over and over. And I kept thinking, we all need resurrection. We all need Jesus. And I also was thinking we all need resurrection of our dreams. We need resurrection in our marriages. We need resurrection in our families. We need resurrection in some area of our life. There's somebody today that came that they need to hear this resurrection's for you. This resurrection is personal. Death is not the end. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that it doesn't stop at the cross. It doesn't stop at the tomb. But it really starts with the empty tomb. And we ascended unto glory and he magnifies and he sits at the right hand of the Father forever and ever and he rules from on high. And yet death seems cruel and devastating and death had crushed him. And in the scripture, it talks about that Jesus was deeply moved. You build through the text there in the 11th chapter. In the Greek, when it says he's deeply troubled, we, we don't really have words for it. Uh, a lot of times it's, it's hard to translate Greek or Hebrew to English vernacular. That's when we have all these translations where we're trying to get the best phrases, the best words, and they're just not exact, but they're close and they're God's word. Hear me say that. But as I was studying this, I want you to hear this. In in the Greek, when it says he was deeply troubled, he was deeply stirred, he was moved, it would convey the idea that you're at a funeral. Have you been at a funeral lately? And you go over to the viewing, and there's a long line of people to receive. And in the process of this, there's one person that walks in, and they just say something that unrivets everything in your core, and you gasp. And you just blow. You fall apart. The the core of your being feels it. Has anybody ever been there? If you've ever experienced death, you have. That's how moved Jesus is. You're saying, wow, you just explained it. That's what the Greek says. That's what it means in the Greek. We just don't quite get it. But they remembered here, Jesus standing at the tomb of the close friend Lazarus. and And he comes forward. And yet, everybody in here can memorize uh, chapter 11, verse 35. I'm going to do it with you. You're, you're real talented. I know you can do it. Jesus wept. Let's say that together. Jesus wept. Now, why did he weep? There's a lot of reasons he wept. He was deeply moved. He was deeply troubled. He loved Martha and Mary. He loved Lazarus. Could have been he was just he was sad because the people didn't understand. They didn't believe. They had rebellion in their hearts. There's a multitude of reasons that commentaries will tell you why Jesus wept. But here's what I know. Jesus was all him, and, and Jesus has compassion, and Jesus sympathizes and identifies with my weaknesses and yours, and that is a good thing. So when you're having a bad day, Jesus knows what it is. Do you think Jesus ever had a bad day? Can you imagine he grew up in a carpenter's house? Do you ever? Now, guys, look, he set aside his glory. I mean, Jesus could have said, hey, now, Joe, Joe, you, Dad, you always want furniture. But, and Jesus could have said, hey, when Dad goes back in the house, furniture. He didn't do that. Do you think Jesus ever hit his thumb with a hammer? Just think about it. Some of you are like, man, you can't talk about Jesus like that. I think Jesus had diaper rash possibly in that day too, Okay. Jesus was human. We take the humanity out of Jesus. We love the humanity of Jesus when he comes to give sacrifice at the cross. So here it is, the incredible life of Christ. 
pouring out, identifying, being human, weeping for the people. And he cares for Lazarus. And, 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 and Lazarus, I don't, but Mary and Martha, they're hopeless. They're helpless. They need support. They need comfort. Man, they, they don't understand. They're stumped. Everybody got stumped but Jesus. Do you know Jesus never gets stumped with anything that faces us? We go, this is the worst thing that could happen to me. Name the worst thing that could happen, not out loud, just in your mind. The worst thing that could happen to you does not stump Jesus. He can deal with it. He has the authority over it. And he can see us through it. So it changes gladness here, or, or gloom at the funeral, if you will, to gladness in the sun when he begins to do this great miracle. Let's continue to move here. The giver of life, how great he is, what he's doing for us. These tears are all flowing. Um, you know, the only male in the family is Lazarus, and he's sick, and, or he's died now. And so these sorrows, these tears are intense. And, and then just move down to verse 38. The Bible is interesting. Now, I was reading this in a lot of translations. In, in the NLT, it really disturbed me. It says, Jesus was still angry. And I went, huh? I've never seen that before. I've read this text thousands of times. And then I went and looked at all these other translations. It says, and Jesus was deeply moved. Jesus was upset. Jesus was groaning. As he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across his entrance. But verse 39, it starts building for some, something good. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell, the smell will be terrible. Behold, he stinketh. In Palestine in that day, in this time of the year, the heat, the intense. I mean, okay, let me see if I can set it up for you. We live in Alabama. You know roadkill, dead animals on the side of the road? They, I'm just trying to help us out here, okay? They can put off a stench, an odor. Dead stuff stinks. And they're concerned, you know, they're worried about Jewish law and touching defiled things, and, and here he is, and it's just, it's just an impossible situation. So his humanity, in the second point, I said it delays, but look at the third point. We get trapped in a tomb, and we must roll those stones away that stand between us and God. We've all got stones. This story is about a specific stone. The ultimate story is about the stone at the tomb that held Jesus in while the guards had watch over him. didn't really hold him in. They just thought it did. But we've got stones. I want you to make a practical application. We've got stones in our life that we've got to roll off. Jesus tells them here for Lazarus, roll the stone away. I don't know what these stones are. I, I, I've had a lot of thoughts about what they could be, and there's no hope, and it's dark. But I just want you to think about these, these stones in your life for a moment. You've you got to cast them aside. It could be rebellion. It could be disbelief. It could be unfaithfulness. It could be, I don't know, it could be a, a myriad of things. I'm just saying, church, friend, roll the stones away. This Easter, decide that that stone has been keeping you back from the goodness and the grace of Jesus. And you just, you just want to roll it aside. So what makes the difference? Well, I'm glad you asked. In verse 40, he says, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? We'll all see God's glory if we believe in Him, in the Son, and trust, and embrace, and experience. So he says, do you want to see my glory? Yes, then believe in verse 41. So they rolled the stone aside, and then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. Jesus knew that the Father always heard him. He said it for the benefit of the people, that he wanted them to know that he was God. He knew that his Father and him were one. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the triune God. 
the oneness. It, it's a mystery. And he said it. And he knew the Father. And the people were like, wow, he talks to God. He is God. But Bill here with me in the story, guys, it, it gets better. Oh, I, I love this part. So they roll the stone aside, and he wants them to hear him. But look there in 42. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so they will believe you sent me. But in verse 43, guys, this is when it just starts getting shouting, good. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Do, do you think he just said, Lazarus, come out? He could have. It wasn't anything about his volume, but I think he probably shouted it. Lazarus, come out. Come forth. You know, whatever translation you're reading. And the Bible says that, that Lazarus came out. No, Lazarus kind of mummified came out. He shuffled his feet from the darkness into the light. And then look at the text, because we don't want to stop there because uh, Jesus calls his name. The, the fourth point is the voice of love calls us out of death, and it calls us out of death into life. I like that. Our God doesn't leave us in death, but he calls us to newness, and he calls us vitality of life in the resurrection. So, so he calls him out here from death to life. And Lazarus, come out. Can you imagine Lazarus? He's dead, and this echo begins to resound in his ears, and all the people are looking at the tomb. They don't know what's going to happen. And then this mummified God, all wrapped up in the grave clothes, begins to make his shuffle toward the light. I got a feeling the people were like, whoa, man, that is power. That is authority. And he gets up, and he, and he comes out at the sound of his voice, and his friends are standing there, and his family are standing there, and Mary and Martha, they get their brother back. He comes back, and they're thrilled. And, and then the scripture says, unwrap him, unbind him, let him go, set him free. The grave clothes, they're, they're sticky, they're messy. The ointments that they had prepared his body and all that stuff, I'm sure it was a mess. And I'm just wondering today, have you experienced that new life, or are you just choosing to stay in the grave clothes, bound up? You can choose to leave this service and go, man, what a marvelous painting. Inspirational music off the chart. Message, uh, you know, whatever. My prayer is that you leave here encountering the one who is life, the voice. We've been preaching, I've been preaching about the voice. This is the sixth week. And I wanted to tie in the voice with this. And it's the voice of the Almighty. And as I was reading scripture, I started seeing, and Jesus spoke in a loud shout. And the voice of the Lord, I just kept seeing the word voice. And I began to see the word shout. And I began to see he spoke. And I said, that's the God of the resurrection. We serve and know him if we put our faith in Christ. You know, Jesus didn't come out of the, or, or Lazarus here in the story didn't come out and go, ta-da, I'm here. I mean, he came out, he, he, he walked out just signifying, reflecting glory to his Father. And something awesome is happening here, but Jesus raises Lazarus, and yet he's not free yet because he's still bound up. Here's what I'm saying. You could be a believer in Jesus Christ today. He's forgiven your sins. You've received Christ personally as Savior and Lord. You've begun to have a relationship, and you're following after Christ, but there are things that are holding you back. They're binding you back. I'm saying, get unwrapped today. Let Christ unwrap you. Let him set you free from whatever bondage it is. It's not worth staying in that life. It wouldn't have been very uh, attractive for Lazarus to stay at this place. And yet Lazarus gets made alive 
by the Son of God. You build to the story of Easter and Jesus' resurrection. He comes out of the tomb. And I love one of the accounts that says, and when Jesus came out and he began to appear in many times and to many people, and at one time, one uh, writing says that all the people came up out of, of the grave and they all appeared in the marketplace. Can you imagine? Here comes Aunt Esther. I mean, guys, I mean, we read it like, okay, Jesus rose. Some dead people rose. They went to the square. Guys, that is big stuff. I mean, you know, if I went to Aunt Esther's funeral five years ago and all of a sudden Aunt Esther, she showed up in the marketplace, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm disturbed, okay? It's, something's happening here. But we're bound by things. We're bound by past hurts, bad habits, hang-ups. I don't know what it is. Unbelief, fear, distractions. Just say, Lord, would, would you say this to, to the Lord today? Lord, I'm stagnant. Lord, unbind me. Let me go. This is part of the message of Easter. It's about the glorious Son of God being resurrected for us. But a part of it is what, what Christ is doing in us through his power that raised him from the dead. He comes to set us free if we'll take time to worship him and to overcome our past sins and those things that are holding us back. But we get so bound up. And I just think it's time for the church to remove grave clothes. In um, Romans 6, it says, We were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That's what I'm inviting you to today. Will you put off the old life? Will you put off the grave clothes? And serve the resurrected one, the king of glory. Once we were dead in our sins and now we're free, the gospel writer says. And God is, God is kind. He's not soft in kindness. He takes us firmly by the hand. And he leads us into a radical life change, says Romans from Eugene Peterson writing in the message. These words that I speak are life. This morning, uh, a few years ago, a friend of mine, Donna's in, in uh, invited us, or introduced us, to Sarah Young's writings in Jesus Calling. I, it's the best devotional out there. I, I, you know, I, I just, it's the best devotional I've ever read. I've read a lot of devotionals. And uh, I, I like, I, I'd love for you to get it, but there's a new one I just found out that day, so I, I wanted to get it. And I, so I was reading it this morning, uh, early, when I was reading the scriptures, and I said, I just, I just want to see what Sarah Young said today. And listen to this. This was amazing. I said, God, only you could do this. I want you to love me Listen to my voice and hold fast to me, for I am your life. This is the way of wisdom. And then she goes through this great story, but then she gave a passage here, and I, I don't think I'd ever quite seen it, in Deuteronomy 30, 20. Write down Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 20. You're saying, this is part of the resurrection story? This is a great word from our God. Deuteronomy 30, 20 says, Choose life that you may love the Lord your God, Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Is that a great passage? But listen to his voice. Hold on to him. That's Jesus. You know what else Jesus would say on a resurrection day? It ain't over till I say it's over. The fat lady ain't saying yet, Bubba. It just ain't over yet. I mean, Lazarus probably like, hey, it's over. Martha and Mary say, it's over. Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And when they laid Jesus in the tomb, everybody said, it's over. 
I knew he said he was the Messiah. I knew he said he was God. Uh, well, whatever, it's over. He could, Jesus, you save others. You can't even save yourself. They mocked him. They spit on him. All those accounts of the Gospels we read. And yet in this story, Jesus gets up. Because Jesus said, it's not over until I say it's over. The last quote right across the bottom. Easter says you can put truth in a grave, but it won't stay there. They put the ultimate source of truth, the Lord Jesus Christ, in the grave. And praise be to the Father. He did not keep him there. He raised him and he ascended on high. And he reigns and rules and he'll come again. Let's pray together. Will you pray with me? Lord, we are grateful for this morning, for this experience. And Lord, I pray that we would hear your voice. And Lord, some people have come in here today, they're exhausted, they're empty, they're disappointed, they feel delayed. I don't know where they're at. But Lord, I pray that today they would experience resurrection. Lord, in the Gospel of Matthew, I love what the writer says. So then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. And in that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rock split apart, and the tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, and they went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and they appeared to many people. And the Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that happened. And they said, this man truly was the son of God. Jesus, we know, we attest that you are the savior of the world and you're the Lord of life. Would you be our Lord? Jesus, I thank you that you give power from the grave and that you set people free You've gone to great lengths, Heavenly Father, to prove your love. And that love overwhelms me this morning. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring life to people spiritually in this room, Father. I pray you would give them abundant, full life in the Savior. But I pray that you would wake up some from their slumber and they would come alive. They would have an encounter with the resurrection with Jesus himself. That they would surrender to him. Jesus Christ, you call us from death to life. Call people to life all across the living room today. Right now, I'm going to invite prayer counselors and friends and elders to go to the side tables. We, on the sides of this room, there's lit crosses and there's an altar, there's, a, there's altar tables there. And over at those tables, it'll be quiet, it'll be a dark place. There'll be men and women, they're there for one reason, to assist you to counsel you, to love you, and to pray for you. And we like to do it that way. It's, it's not a big show. You're not coming down front. I realize a lot of people freak out, and we don't want you to have to come. Don't raise your hand, do all that. Just if Jesus Christ is doing something, if he's calling you to himself, if you've understood the gospel today to repent, to turn from sin, and believe the gospel in this last song, just slip out of the chair, take somebody with you, and make a walk. Take a walk across the room and go over there and somebody will just share more about Jesus with you. This could be the shortest walk you'll ever take. It could be the longest walk you'll ever take. But it could be the eternal walk that you need. Will you trust Jesus? Lord, 
I pray that people would be courageous in this song, that they would surrender their hearts and their wills to you, and they would give their hearts to the King this morning. Here's a simple prayer. Jesus, I want less of me and more of you. I need more of you, Jesus. I need you this resurrection Sunday.